the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. Thanks so much for listening. You know, we've been speaking about warnings to the church. God's made us a kind of watchman. He's given us a voice in the body of Christ just to warn the saints about the dangers associated with the apostasy, the false teaching that's out there, the false doctrine, the false teachers, the damnable heresies, the dangers from following people that prophesy falsely. Uh, so many dangers out there, and now there's still more. Sorry, <laughs> there's five in Hebrews, and they're not uh, so much dangers that attack the body of Christ from the influence of our environment. These are within dangers that originate with me. Okay, that I can fall for if I'm not careful. And while Jesus and Peter, Paul, Jude, John, Luke, and all the others, they saw the dangers to the church from the false teachers and the prophets, the doctrines and the perverse teachings. The writer of Hebrews saw a different kind of danger. In the following five chosen passages, we're going to talk about them, and the Lord hopefully will give clarity to what I'm about to say. The writer of Hebrews, some say it's Paul. It's really not known. Nobody's in agreement on it, so I won't refer to him as Paul today. I will just go ahead and just reference the writer as the writer. So the first warning we want to give you is the warning of drifting, the danger that Christians can drift. And that's going to be found in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now that's in the King James, uh, verse 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So we see here that the writer says that the danger is to let slip the things that we have heard. Let's break these three verses down word by word. Therefore, and you know, therefore means, go back and find out what it's there for. Therefore, in chapter 2, verse 1, refers to what was written in chapter 1. And we know that what was written in chapter 1 was the fact that basically the theme of Hebrews, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus, God speaks to us today through Jesus. Jesus, a better covenant. All these things written in chapter 1. And it says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. What things did we hear? We heard what was written in chapter 1 just to begin with. And so we need to give the more earnest heed. We ought to give the more earnest heed. 
not just give earnest heed, we need to give the more earnest heed, and we ought to do it. Let me read you the Amplified Translation of that scripture. For this reason, that is, because of God's final revelation in his son Jesus, and because of Jesus' superiority to the angels, we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth. Okay, so the writer here is telling us, give the more earnest heed. And basically it means, according to the Amplified, pay attention. You've got to pay attention. Understand something. Truth is never free. Here, in order to possess the truth, you have got to pay something. And according to the writer of Hebrews, you've got to pay attention. Truth is going to cost you your attention. I love that. So he's telling you here that you must not just neglect the things that God has called you to do, the words that he's spoken you, the life-giving essence of the word of God. He goes, you've got to give the more earnest heed to it. That means I got to pay more attention to it than I do my TV set. That means I got to pay more attention to it than the football game. I got to pay more attention to it than my wife, than my job, than training my children, than the political discourse going on in my nation. I must give the more earnest heed. I must pay attention to the word that was spoken to me in scripture more than anything else. It is my priority. The word in the beginning was the word. In the beginning of my day this morning, I get up and I read my Bible. I spoke to God. In the beginning was the Word. When you go to work, the very first thing you should do at the beginning of your workday, pray, talk to God, read a verse. In the beginning, in the beginning of everything that you do, there needs to be the Word of God. There is nothing more important that you have to do in any day, in any assignment, than get in the Word of God. Therefore, we ought to, well, that's nice, but the Amplified says we must. It's not an option. The King James is actually a little bit lightweight here, which is unusual. I love the King James. But they say we ought to pay attention, and the Amplified says, no, no, no. We must pay much closer attention than ever. That's a whole lot stronger, as it should be. The Word of God comes first. In today's society, guy, in today's culture in America, guys, you have nothing that should take precedence over you getting in the Word of God. I've got friends, they're drifting off into erroneous doctrines. I've got friends, they're not listening to what's being taught to them, and they're sitting under false teaching. I've got friends that they're being tossed about with every wind and wave of what somebody wants to say on the radio or in a church service or on the internet, and it's leading people astray. That's why we must give more attention to the things that we've heard. Why? And here's the warning. Lest at any time we should let them slip. That's the King James. But once again, the Amplified does a better job of giving you the thought behind the writer's uh, reasoning. I'll read the Amplified once again. For this reason, that is because of God's final revelation in his son Jesus, and because of Jesus's superiority to the angels, we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth. Drift away from the truth. Paul, Paul, I was going to say Paul, I don't know who wrote it, but the writer is using a nautical term here. And let me say this, this is important. I told you we don't know, really, it's not common agreement on who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, The greeting is not really the way Paul greets people, and the context is written differently than the way Paul frames his sentences. 
But it's really not important who wrote it. But what is important is who it was written to. And it was written to you and me. It was written to Jewish believers that comprised the church. It was written to Christians who had been Jews, who came out of the law, who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah. What a great privilege to be a Jew who recognized Christ as their Messiah. This is who it's written to. This is who the writer is warning. He is warning believers. Hallelujah. So we understand now that this stuff about the potential for drifting is written to believers. That means Christians can drift away. Christians can fall back into sin. Christians can lose their salvation. It's not popular to say that. I know it's been bandied about. Once saved, always saved is a doctrine that's been around for five, six hundred years. And it's dangerous. It goes hand in hand with the hyper grace situation. And we need to be wise about it. You know, uh, I need to understand that my salvation's at risk. Well, how can you say that, Ron? Well, look at here. There's a danger. He's saying that you can let the truth of God slip away from you. It gets worse than this. And, you know, he doesn't warn you about things that don't happen. They warn you. The warnings in the Bible are for things that do happen. I'm not going to walk out the door and get hit by a flying tree when I get in my car. Nobody needs to warn me about that. That's not going to happen. Elephants aren't going to fall out of the sky and start landing on my house. I don't need to be warned from that danger because it's not a realistic danger. We don't warn people about things that don't happen. But we do warn people about things that can happen to them here. And here the writer of Hebrews is warning the church that, hey, you can drift away. You can let the word of God slip from you. Verse 2, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward. Basically, he's referencing the fact that uh, angels carried out sentences of God of judgment in the Old Testament. Not too many things got past God and he was quick to judge. And then he says in verse 3, if that was true, how shall we escape? Who's we? We is the church, the body of Christ, the Christian Jews, the Jewish Christians. How shall we escape? Escape what? Escape hell. That's what he's talking about. How shall we, I, you, us as Christians, how shall we escape hell if we neglect so great a salvation? Neglect. You know, that's an interesting word. When you put that back together over here with the fact that uh, the example used of uh, drifting away, Christians drifting away from what? Drifting away from the truth, the Amplified pours out. Okay, drifting away from the truth. Let me kind of explain that to you. It's like a ship that's been moored. Uh, It's tied to like a pier. And uh, somehow that uh, rope has become unhinged and the ship is drifting away. It's going downstream or upstream, whichever way the uh, current's going, and it's left its mooring, and it's off adrift, and nobody knows about it. And you know the danger of that? It happens unnoticed. That's the problem. We don't know when we're drifting. We don't know that. It can be very subtle. We cannot read our Bible for a week, and next thing you know, temptations seem more real to us. Our spiritual ears are no longer as sharp as attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit as it once was. You know, we get so busy with life. You can get busy on your job as a mom. You're busy. You're training, raising, growing children up. And next thing you know, wow, I haven't read my Bible all week. I saw a sign on a church. It's fairly popular. You've probably heard it. Uh, One week of no prayer makes one week. 
Yeah. One week, W-E-E-K, of no prayer, makes one week, W-E-A-K, or something like that. But the point is, Christians leak. You must be continually feeding yourself the word of God. Notice Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You are constantly feeding on the word of God. You know, the the food of the Christian, the sustenance that keeps a Christian strong, that keeps him spiritually healthy, is the word of God. It's truth. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive, man. And you will get weak if you do not feed on the word of God. And that's what the warning here is in Hebrews. Drifting away from the truth. It's a very uh, subtle type of danger that we're up against, but we need to be warned about it. And it's important that we make sure that we obey the scriptures. What have we heard? We've heard the word of God. In chapter one specifically, we heard about Jesus, that Jesus is better. But there's things that we need to hear every day. Today, for instance, I read... uh, What did I read today? Today, I read... My goodness, I know it was in Proverbs and Psalms, but now I can't remember the verses. It'll come to me, I promise you. That's what I've heard today, though, and I give a more earnest heed to that because it's important that I'm able to talk to you. I read Psalm 91. I read Psalm 90, Psalm 91 today. Psalm 90 and Psalm 91, and it was really interesting. There's such a contrast between the two. Uh, One of them is telling about the Old Testament, uh, the dangers in there, and the the Jews and the uh, temptations and the judgments that are coming upon them. And then you go to Psalm 91 and you get the encouragement of the blessing of being closely knit to God, closely in his presence. That's what remembering the word of God looks like, where I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And so what are we escaping? We are escaping hell. It's a pure, it's a true, it's a present danger. The word for guarding and giving heed is actually prosecco, P-R-O-S-E-C-H-O. Literally, it means to hold toward the mind in the sense of guarding. Your thought life is very important. That's why the more you feed on the Word of God, the more you think the Word of God, the more you can start responding with the Word of God to the dangers and the problems that we're facing. Uh, The word for drift away was parahuo. I'm sure that's wrong. And it's used to mean to drift away, but it too is a nautical term as opposed to Prosecco. Prosecco means like when you're guiding a ship into the harbor. Okay, that's Prosecco. You need to be on guard, watching what you're doing, paying attention, giving the more earnest deed. And then when you are letting that slip, when you're not paying attention, the word is parahuo. And the Christians, they've let the truth slip away. It's like the ship has become untied and is drifting aimlessly down there. And, you know, the the mooring that we're attached to as Christians is Christ. And he is no longer holding the ship or, in this case, he is no longer holding you. The word describes the carelessness of our minds as we neglect the spiritual aspect of our salvation. We need to be on guard. We need to constantly be refilling our spirits, eating the bread of life. Hallelujah. Spurgeon says it this way, Seeing Christ is so excellent in his person... And seeing the gospel has such a glorious author, let us take great care that we esteem his person, revere his authority, reverence his ministry, and believe his message, and let us take heed that our memories be not like leaking vessels, suffering the word at any time to slip or to run from us. Don't forget, it's we who are letting go. We who are letting this slip It's like you've got a cup of coffee in your hand, 10 o'clock at night, you're falling asleep, 
and you're just fading out. Next thing you know, you lose the strength in your hand for holding the cup, and it falls on the ground. That's the language that we're using here. You are letting it slip right through your fingers, and once again, you don't know that it's happening, which is why you must take these warnings to heart. Ray Stedman says it like this, the danger highlighted is that of great loss occurring unnoticed. Well, because we know the word of God, we're going to help you notice. We're going to speak the truth to you. The cause is not taking seriously the word spoken to them. We must take heed. We must take the heart. What I'm telling you, you have got to listen to. You've got to write down a scripture that may have been piercing your heart as I'm talking to you, and you've got to study that scripture. There's a difference between drifting and backsliding, and it's very important. Uh, While backsliding is often used interchangeably with drifting, strictly speaking, drifting is used in the context that speaks of the danger of missing the mooring of Jesus and as a result, drifting off into a Christless eternity. Wow, let me use that phrase again. Drifting off into a Christless eternity. And then uh, the backslider, hallelujah, they drift from the moorings of Jesus. But you know, the Bible says God loves the backslider. You know, my job is to warn you who are drifting, who are the backslidden perhaps, or you who are strong in the Lord and you are faced with the danger and the possibility of drifting. Don't forget, the word in verse 3 is neglect. Don't neglect so great a salvation. And that goes hand in hand with the words unnoticed that Brother Stedman used. You've got to be aware. You've got to know the word of God. I tell you, my wife and I, we talk about this. We see God every day pretty much. We have our own business and um, we need God to manifest in that business and especially in today's society. And he is constantly showing up. I love it. I love it. I, I don't have to pray for 10 hours in the back room to make a sale. He just pops in there as the need arises. I don't beg him, but I make sure that I thank him. It is so important. Spurgeon talking about verses 2 and 3 here. Uh, The Jews could not trifle with the angel's message without receiving just punishment from God, verse 2. So then here we are. The punishment for disobeying the word spoken by angels was death. What did he just say? Verse 2 talks about the fact, it references the fact that the punishment for disobeying the word God gave the Jews through the angels was death. Well, Spurgeon writes, what then must be the penalty of neglecting the great salvation wrought by the divine Redeemer himself, Jesus? He who does not give earnest heed to the gospel treats with disdain the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will have to answer for that sin when the king shall sit upon the throne of judgment. You've got to understand, neglecting so great a salvation, you can't neglect it. Why? Hell is full of people that neglect the salvation. You know, passivity in the kingdom of God, it is not um, neutrality. It is surrender. And when you neglect the word of God, people are in hell that didn't oppose God. People are in hell that didn't hate God. People are in hell that didn't persecute his, his church. There are people in hell who were good people, but they neglected so great a salvation. Passivity will take you straight to hell. You must aggressively pursue the fellowship of Christ, but he's made it easy and accessible. He's not hiding from us. He's not trying to keep his presence from us. He made himself available to us, and he told us how to do it, but it's in the word of God. Neglecting so great a salvation can be disobeying the word of God. 
it can be rejecting the word of God. More often than not, though, it's just not doing anything. It's doing nothing. Ron, you're telling me that God will send me to hell if I do nothing? No. I'm telling you, you will choose hell if you do nothing. God has told you how to get to heaven. If you do nothing, you don't get to heaven. I'm sorry. If you do nothing, you'll probably wind up in hell. Yes. You must do something. No, you're not working towards your salvation. It's the gift of God. It's free, but he's laid out the guidelines. And what you've got to do is simple. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you need a savior, that Christ is that savior. He paid the penalty for your sins. Acknowledge that repent, receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, receive his Holy Spirit who will live inside you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that's what you do. Here, once that is done in the lives of the Jewish Christians, he's telling you then, once you're there, do not neglect so great a salvation. And he tells you how to do it. You've got to stay in the Word of God. You've got to pay attention. You've got to invest in the Word of God. You know, you don't need to be a great sinner in order to perish and spend eternity in hell. It's merely a matter of neglect. Look how Spurgeon writes it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You need not go to the trouble of despising that salvation. You need not resist that salvation. You need not oppose that salvation. You can be lost readily enough simply by neglecting that salvation. In fact, as he writes, the great mass of those who perish are those who neglected this great salvation. You know, it's difficult. Uh, There's so much out there that are fighting against uh, the Lord's commands for us to work to keep our salvation. He tells us all the time, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God that's working in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And yet there is such an assault on the things that we're supposed to do. You know, my lesson uh, in our Bible study, it wasn't supposed to be about once saved, always saved, whether that was true or false. But when we read the scriptures that the writer of Hebrews warns the church of the Jews, when he warns them about all these things that can happen to them, it brings that subject up in our faces and we have to deal with it. For instance, one of the ways that people don't dismiss these scriptures, uh, they say, well, no, the letter of Hebrews isn't written to the church. It's not written to saints. So I just want to take a minute in this closing two minutes to let you know and to prove to you scripturally that the letter to the Hebrews most definitely was written to Hebrew saints. The first warning was given to protect the saints from drifting, from letting the truth slip away from them. Many try to dismiss the sternness of the scriptures in this book and this following passages, saying it was written both to Jewish saints and Hebrews unbelievable. Hebrew unbelievers, that simply isn't true. Uh, Hebrews 3.1, holy brethren. Those are saints, I'm sorry. When you're writing to holy brethren, you are writing to born-again believers. The writer even describes himself and his readers as we, as ones who have faith in Hebrews 10.39. That would make the case that this letter is written to believers. In uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 5, 7, and 8, he refers to the people who are reading this as sons who have a relationship with God the Father. Unbelievers professing to believe or otherwise do not have a son relationship with God the Father, not until they are adopted and have the eternal life. The author did not exhort readers to believe in Jesus. There's no evangelical call here for people to get saved. 
the author did exalt in Hebrews 13.22 for readers to press on to maturity. Hebrews 6.1, in the faith they already possess, but you need to grow. To exhort unbelievers to grow in the faith makes no sense. So there's further evidence that this book is written to believers. I only got to the first of the five warnings that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, the others I'll get to to you uh, next week. The next one is really interesting. It's dangers, the believers having an unbelieving heart of evil. Believers can't have an unbelieving heart of evil. Well, it says it right here in my Bible. We'll broach that subject next week. That's going to be from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. You can study that ahead of time. In the meantime, let me pray before we leave. Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, students of the word of God, Father, studying to show themselves approved unto you, a worker that need not, hallelujah, be ashamed. We love you. We pray for you. We trust God to keep you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.